Even the worker crew today's moving slow. Hey, Richard, you know I love you, right? I don't ask much from you. No, you don't. I think we can move that mic right there? Uh, maybe. All right. Maybe. Hold on, what, what, Richard, Richard, Richard. You about tore all Phil's stuff up. I need to replace you with Lisa. You just let me know, okay? Give Richard a round of applause. Oh, my goodness, Mama said there'd be days like this. I haven't used a music stand in 20 years of preaching. But I can't flip through my notes. I only got two hands. I tried to use my tongue. I thought Christine would like that too much, and so I decided not to do that. It's just going to be one of those days. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We've got to get through this day and do it again next week. In Jesus' name, amen. Emojis. They have literally changed the way we communicate. I got an Apple Watch yesterday for Father's Day, and it's awesome. If someone sends you an emoji, it fills up the whole screen. Like, that's just the way it is. They built the screen the perfect size to get an emoji. Because that's the way we communicate nowadays. We no longer talk to people. We no longer even send people sentences through text anymore. We just sling the emoji up there and everybody instantly knows what it is that we're talking about. So I thought it'd be fun this month just to take some different emojis, some of my favorite emojis, and just talk about kind of some biblical context behind the emotions that come with those emojis. In the first week we talked about anger. If you missed that, you can go to actionchurch.tv and you can download the podcast. Last week we talked about the fact that... uh, Man, it's just hard to live at peace with some people. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's just some people that no matter how hard you try, you just can't get along with them. Somebody say amen. amen. No matter how nice you try to be, no matter how at peace you try to be, there's just some people that get under your skin. Somebody say amen. Amen. But you shouldn't have that problem anymore because last week I showed you how to live at peace with them. Sometimes there's messages that are easy to preach and they're hard to live out. That was that one. This week we're going to talk about my favorite emoji and the most sent emoji that I send all the time. Xander, will you put that up on the screen for me? The poop emoji. There's a lot of things I thought I'd say in church. I've been known to say the word shit in church. I've been known to say the word ass in church. One day, by accident, I dropped the F-bomb in church. I don't know why, but you guys never let me forget about it. I try to forget about it. Someone brought it up last week. But a word that I never thought I'd use in church is the word poop. Because it just takes me back to, like, my middle school days, you know, poop. Like, my son is seven, and he says the word poop. But the poop emoji I read this week in the history of emojis is the second most sent emoji out there. Smiley face is number one, because the smiley face encompasses everything. I can be mean to you, but if I throw a smiley face on the end of it, we're good. You know, hey, you can't be mad. In the words of Ricky Bobby, it's in the Geneva Convention. That's just the way it goes, you know. But the poop emoji is number two, and there's some debate about the poop emoji. I did research this week on the poop emoji. I felt immature typing the word poop into Google to do some research. Because I was told the poop emoji actually was not created to be poop. It was created to be chocolate ice cream. (laughs) That we're so distorted that we turned it into a poop emoji. I used to feel guilty about that and say, man, is there something wrong in my head that someone took something as innocent ice cream and I turned it into poop? But I found out this week that was only a lie created by parents who wanted people to think it's not poop. It was created to be poop. I don't know who has perfect poop like that, but apparently people do. And it's the poop emoji, and I'm going to try to break the record for the most time saying poop in a sermon. And the poop emoji is just the greatest emoji ever. Because no matter what it is, someone sends you something cool, man, I send the poop emoji. Someone sends me something bad, I send the poop emoji. How many of you have ever seen the uh, movie Donnie Brasco? 
with Johnny Depp. He's the mafia guy. He's in the witness protection program. There's a scene in the movie. He's walking down the road. I believe it's with De Niro. And De Niro is teaching him. He's an older mafia guy. And he's teaching him all the different meanings of the phrase forget about it. And he's like, you know, it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing, it can be an angry thing, it can be a blowing someone off thing. It's all in the context of how you use the phrase. That's the way I feel about the poop emoji. Today the context is this. Crappy things happen. And we want to know why. I was going to teach you this week on how you deal with crappy people. As I dealt with the message and I was praying through it and putting it, it came very similar to last week's message on how to live at peace with people. And I got to thinking about all the things that are going on in our society and so many people that I know are going through divorces and so many people I know that are dealing with sickness and so many people I know are dealing with financial hardships and there's just a lot of good people going through crappy situations. And I would be willing to say the number one question that I get asked, I would be willing to say that's a number of things getting on my nerves. Makes me feel like a Baptist. <sighs> just gives me chills. And just for the record, I graduated from a Baptist seminary so I can make fun of them. So um, the number one question that people ask me and I would be willing to bet that the number one question people ask God is simply this question. Why do crappy things happen to good people? Why do crappy things happen to good people? We've all seen it. Chances are pretty good you've either asked this question or you know somebody who's asked this question? How many of you be honest and say, man, I, I've asked that question a time in my life. I don't understand why someone who seems to have it all together and seems to help everyone, it seems like just a good person. And yet they go through so many hard times. Many of us have asked it as it comes to ourselves. God, I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to do what you said. I'm trying to follow your word. But yet, God, everywhere I turn, crappy things are happening. And God, I just don't understand why crappy things happen to good people. I don't understand, God, why I'm trying to live for you and it seems like crappy things are happening to me. <laughs> and here's the deal. If you've asked that question, don't feel bad about it. It's a normal question. It's a question I've asked many times. It's a question that many people in the Bible asked over and over. Abraham asked the question, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? Moses said, God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? Jeremiah said, why do the wicked prosper? It's not fair that bad people are getting rich and good people are struggling throughout the Bible. Questions over and over. David, over and over. You, you, you can hardly read the Psalms without seeing David asking God, God, why are you not answering my prayers? God, I've tried to live my life for you. Why am I on the run? Why am I being persecuted? Over and over people in the Bible ask the question, why do crappy things happen to good people? And we ask those same questions they ask in the Bible. We ask them different. We ask the question this way. Why do so many children have to starve to death? Why in so many countries around the world do they not even have drinking water? Anytime there's a natural disaster, there's a hurricane, a tsunami, a tornado, an earthquake... We always ask the question, God, why did so many people have to die? If you're a good God, why do bad things happen? <laughs> and they're fair questions. I think they're questions that people ought to ask. And I think they're questions that there's some biblical answers to. But i got to be honest with you. 
I don't 100% have the answer today. I wish I did. I wish I could give you concrete facts on why crappy things happen to good people. But I can't. But I believe I can give you some insight into it. (laughs) I've actually found that a lot of times when people are asking the question, why do crappy things happen to good people, they're not even talking about other people. They're talking about themselves. God, why did this happen to me? Why is this thing going on in my life? I can remember the first time ever in my life I can remember it clear as day the first time I ever heard anybody ask God why. You know how some things from your childhood are just ingrained in your memory? I'm the oldest, and I remember being about five or six years old. I remember my mom getting pregnant with twins. I remember her giving birth to twins, and those twins dying about three days later. And I remember for weeks... My mom, who, if you knew my mom, man, she is as mean as the day is long. Like, she's hardcore. She don't cry. She don't show emotion. And I remember for weeks her sobbing and asking, why, God, why? It's just one of those things that I remember. Now, I look back on my childhood, and I remember my mom was a good lady. My mom was the mom in the neighborhood that took every little rug rat in and made sure they were fed and taken care of. My mom was the guy at that time, or the lady at that time, who was married to a horrible person and yet took care of all of his white trash family. My mom was just that late. My mom was the mom that every time church was open, she had us in church, in VBS. she, She had a very strong faith. And yet when she lost the twins, I remember her asking, why, God, why? It's a question that we've all asked. God, why didn't you help my marriage? I worked at it. I made a commitment. All I wanted was to be happily married, and I'm not. Some of you are asking, God, why isn't there someone out there who will marry me? Got all, I, 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 I'm looking, I've done what you said, and God, I, I, I don't want to grow old alone. I, I don't understand why this is happening. Why is this crappy situation happening to me? God, why did you let me get abused? God, why did I lose my job? God, when I was a, a child, why did you let that person do certain things to me? Why do crappy things happen to us? We all ask the question. All of us ask the question. And I believe we really deep inside want to give God the benefit of the doubt. We want to say, God, I believe you. I believe you're a good God. But we feel backed into a corner and we feel like so many bad things are happening to us that it's human nature to say, man, I want to believe in God and I want to believe he's a good God, but if this can happen to me, then he's not a good God or maybe there's not even a God to begin with. And if there's a God that would allow this to happen, then I don't want to serve that kind of God. Why do crappy things happen to good people? So many times crappy things happen. And we get backed into a corner and we feel like there's only two ways that we can respond. Number one, I can't trust God. Or number two, I decide I don't believe in God. Because that's our natural selfish behavior. When things are good, God's good. When things are bad, I don't want to serve a God like that. He's the God of the mountaintop, but I don't want him to be the God of the valley. He's the God when the sun's shining, but I don't want him to be the God, listen, when the the sun's going down and the storms are rolling. Hey, I'm down with God as long as God's on my agenda doing what I want him to do, when I want him to do it, how I want him to do it. But God forbid crappy things happen. He's not my God. I don't want to serve a God like that. 
Why, why can't you be fair, God? A little side note there, we don't want God to be fair. Trust me. Trust me. We don't want God to be fair. We don't want God to give us what we deserve. I want to talk about it today. Why do crappy things happen to good people? In seminary, they call it three points in a poem. It's the old way you put a sermon together. Give them three things, you add a poem at the end that they'll always remember. Maybe the, the, the three points rhyme, but they start with the same letter. I don't got three points in a poem for you today. There's times that I get up here and I'm proud to say that I have absolutely the answer to what it is I'm teaching. And there's times that get up here and I say, man, I don't have a 100% the answer. But I've got some answers. And in the end, I know that it's going to point you to the fact that God's in control. I don't want to get your hopes up today that you're thinking, man, I came today because my life's in shambles and I saw on Facebook, I'd never seen a church put the poop emoji up there and it grabbed my attention. I'm like, man, i got to go there because life is crappy and he's going to give me the answers why life's crappy. I can't give you that hope today, but I can point you to the one who can give you that hope. I can't give you all the answers, but I can point you to the one that has the answers. And here's what I don't want to do. The few times I grew up in church, the preacher was real, real good at identifying the problem. But he never gave me the answer. You need to quit drinking. And you need to quit whoring around. And you need to quit living in sin. And you need to quit doubting God. And you need to start living by faith. Awesome, I agree. Now tell me how. I'm not going to do that. So I've always tried to be a very practical preacher to you. And we try to identify the problem around here. And then I try to give you biblical answers. So the question today is very simply this. Why do crappy things happen to us? Several reasons according to the Bible. Some of them you're going to immediately say, man, that's it. Some of them you're not going to like. And the first one is one of those ones that I don't like because it's out of my control. But we just need to realize that we might simply be a victim of a broken world. Why do bad things happen? Sometimes it's because we just live in a broken, sinful world. The church loves to say, you're going through this, it's because you did that. Sometimes you're just going through this because there's sin in the world. And there's consequences for actions. And sometimes what might be taking place in your life might be an action that happened 50 meters down the road, 50 changes down the road. This person did this to this person that had a chain reaction to this person that had a chain reaction to this that escalated to you. We want some deep answer. We want some reason that we can look in the mirror and say, Matt, I'm responsible for this and I want to change it. And sometimes the simple answer is we're just a victim of a broken world. You read the Bible and you start the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, verse 3, or excuse me, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. You'll see that God spoke everything into existence. And it was good. And it was perfect. And there was no sin. And Adam and Eve sinned against God. <laughs> we wanted the one thing we couldn't have. Boy, ain't that human nature? Now, I like to blame Eve for it. She ate the fruit. I've heard some preachers get up and blame Adam and say he should have been leading. I, my theory on that is you got a naked woman in front of you, especially the first naked woman ever created. And she tells you she's eating the fruit. You're like, eat it. Just saying. Little First Gary's chapter 4 right there. But when Adam and Eve sinned against God, instantly the world was not as good as it was before. Sin won out. Selfishness won out. 
worldly desires won out. When sin entered the world, there was punishment. There was consequences. There was curses for sin. And sometimes bad things happen because we just live in a sinful world. In fact, here's a funny thing. Jesus actually tells us bad things are going to happen. Let me tell you the biggest lie in the church today. And unfortunately, this lie comes from a lot of preachers that seem to have the platform of television. And they come from the platform that if you follow God, everything's going to be cotton candy, bubble gum, and unicorn farts. You'll never have a problem. You'll never have a trial. You'll never have a tribulation. You'll never have marriage problems. You'll never have financial problems. You'll never have relationship problems. All you got to do is follow God and he's a genie and you rub the bottle and whatever you want happens. But the problem is that is 100% contrary to the teachings of Jesus. There's some parts of the Bible that are real complicated. I get it. There's some parts of the Bible that you read at first and you don't completely understand it. But there's some parts of the Bible that are just real, real simple. Oh, side note for a minute on someone who never gets political. The Bible's real clear on our responsibility to take care of children, but I'll move on from that. But here's what the Bible does say about going through hard times. John 16, 33, I have told you these things. Jesus, I've told you. How many of you have ever looked at your kids and said, I've told you? That means I'm now on the second time of telling you. I'm now on the third time of telling you. I had somebody at the gym that I heard them talking. They said, my son's just not listening. It's been a rough summer. I tell him three times and then it's on. Three times. I used to be about a two-timer. Till I met Christine. Christine lives with a philosophy. She shouldn't have to tell you one time. But if she does, you got one and only one time. And then there's consequences. Jesus is looking at him, He's like, I told you these things. I don't know why this is complicated. I don't know why you're asking why crappy things happen to good people. I have told you, you choose not to listen. He said, I've actually told you these things so you'll have peace. Peace when? In the times he told you. So when things are going wrong, you'll have peace. When things are falling apart, you can have peace. I was talking to someone before the service the other day, or before today, and I said, man, I'm just kind of in a good place. I'm in a place where, for, for whatever reason, at this time in my life, man, man, I, I, I'm just not stressing too much. And I said, how? And I said, I, I said I'm just learning to trust God. I, I, I trust him with my finances and with my marriage and with my relationships and my business decisions. And I'm just learning to trust God because at the end of the day, he's God or he's not God. And it's amazing the peace that you'll have. Now, there's times the flesh wells up and I want to take control of the situation. And it's in those times that I have no peace. But Jesus, I'm telling you these things so you'll have peace. He's, listen, this is one of them verses that's real Real simple. In this world, you will have trouble. Take it to the bank. He don't say you might have trouble. He don't say if you don't live right, you'll have trouble. He don't say if you screw up, you'll have trouble. He, say, he doesn't say it. He says, I don't care what you do, you're going to have trouble. He said, but take heat. Take heart. I've overcome the world. He says you're going to have trouble because sometimes sin just reigns. We live in a broken world. You might be the best employee your company's ever had, but you might have the worst boss ever and you lost your job. It's nothing you did. Then we just live in a broken world. You might have been the best wife or the best husband that ever lived on the face of the earth and you just made a really poor decision when you married that person and it didn't work out. 
Now, I believe most time in marriages don't work out. It takes two to tango. But there's those rare exceptions where you're like, you just were an idiot. You were a great wife, but you had no brains when you made a decision to date him in the first place. Man, we've got to acknowledge that sometimes bad things just happen as a result of living in a pain-filled, sinful world. Sometimes it just happened. I remember the first time I ever did a funeral. The first time I ever did a funeral. This came to my mind yesterday because I had a buddy of mine call me, and um, he was in a bad situation. He's never preached a sermon. He works at a church as a staff employee, and the pastor was on his way back from vacation and is to do a funeral, and the car broke down. He called me in a panic. It was a bad situation, actually. It was, it was a, of all the type funerals, it was a suicide and it involved a child. It was not what you want. As the, someone who's done a lot of funerals, this is something I don't want to do. But much less, he was freaking, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. He was freaking, it took me back to my first funeral. And sometimes just things happen. And I remember showing up at the funeral. And I remember doing the funeral. I remember talking to the family. And all I remember, for whatever reason, because I was so nervous, is they said, it was a grandmother, they said, she loves the song Amazing Grace. And so I got up there and they told me all these stories about her and I couldn't remember any of the stories about her. But I remember she loved Amazing Grace. So at the end of my little ditty, I was like, I'm going to sing Amazing Grace. And everyone's going to join in singing Amazing Grace with me. And that's going to be a whole other level cool. If you've ever heard me sing, you know that bad things happen to good people. <laughs> I want to be a singer so bad. But here's the deal. I can't sing. I can't remember the words to songs. I call it freestyling. My wife and Emily do not call it that. So I start singing Amazing Grace and nobody joins in. I'm panicking. And when I panic, I get loud. I'm loud normally, but I get louder. So I'm singing. While I'm singing, a fly flies into my mouth and down my throat. So now I have to make the decision. Do I hawk a loogie at the funeral? Do I swallow the fly and keep on singing? Being the man of God I am, I swallowed the fly and I kept on singing. Because that's what I do for you. But I left there. It was horrible. It was so bad. I've done two funerals in my life where someone has come up to me afterwards and told me it was horrible. One was a guy, anybody remember Johnny Ray used to go to our church? Roman's dad, Johnny Ray. Well, I cussed at his funeral. Because Johnny would have wanted me to cuss. That was what Johnny liked about me. And this lady lit me up after the service. <laughs> and I, she probably was right. But after that one, my first one ever, I had like seven people come up to me. I'm like, it's obvious you didn't know what you were doing. First funeral. Someone said, did you put any time into that? It was a bad situation. At that time, I felt like I was a pretty decent person. Bad things happening to me. And I remember getting in the car and being so embarrassed, and I remember asking why that happened. It just happened. We live in a broken world where there's flies. Had there never been sin in the world, I don't believe there had been flies in the world because they serve no person but to land on poop. Poop emoji. See how it all ties together? That's how you know you're a preacher right there. Just bad things happen sometimes. And that story is a stretch. And my point, I just want to tell the story. So I fit it in there. Gary, why do bad things happen? I'm going through divorce right now, and I'm just tore up about it. Gary, I'm struggling with my addiction right now, and I'm just upset about it. Why are bad things happening? Maybe you just live in a bad world. Sometimes things just happen. Accept it. But there's other reasons why bad things happen. We need to realize that sometimes crappy things happen because of our own sin. Sometimes bad things happen Sometimes crappy things happen because we screw up. Now, I know that's hard because none of us like to take responsibility for our screw-ups. 
None of us like to say, man, we're in the wrong. None of us like to say, man, we messed up. But sometimes we make poor decisions, and the consequences of those poor decisions are bad things. <laughs> but a second ago, Gary, you said it, sin in my life had nothing to do with it. No, no, I said sin in your life doesn't always have anything to do with it. Sometimes you just make stupid decisions. Got a guy I know right now, mad at the world and mad at God. I can't even get on my feet. I can't go to work. My license are revoked. I can't get ahead. Why has God done this to me? God didn't do it to you. You got three DUIs, you idiot. You did it to yourself. How is that God's fault? I don't know why God let my marriage in. Because you were screwing every woman in the world besides your wife. That ain't God's fault. I don't understand why God let me get in this financial situation. Because you make $40,000 a year. And you're in debt like you make $150,000 a year. Not God's fault. Don't understand why my marriage is in Because you never should have married them. You knew they weren't a Christian. You knew they didn't have the same morals as you. You were just so desperate and so tired of being alone. You settled for the first person who came along and threw a ring on your finger. And now you don't understand why it didn't work. Here's your sign. I didn't expect to get a lot of amens to that. Man, take My wife tells me all this because you cannot take responsibility. She's right. Oh, no. Don't tell me what I did wrong. I got an excuse for every bit of it. I get defensive immediately. And sometimes I'm just in crappy situations because I do crappy things. I want to blame someone else, but it's just my fault. I want to blame circumstances, but the circumstances are my fault. Why do bad things happen? Why do crappy things happen? Because sometimes we just make crappy decisions. And there's consequences to our actions. The Bible says this in Galatians, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh... From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Sometimes we make poor decisions. I don't understand why, why, I'm in, why, I don't understand why I can't get a job. It's just not right. He's not here today. I don't know where he's at, but I've had this discussion with James before. James, I'm not saying anything he hasn't said on Facebook. He's frustrated right now because he's trying to find an apartment and he can't find an apartment because in his past he made some poor decisions. He's doing great now. He's doing phenomenal now. But it's not God's fault he can't get an apartment. I'm not saying he's blaming God, so don't misinterpret that. But there's consequences for our actions. I can go into a bar and get into a fight drunk, and someone stick me in the eye and pull, knock my eye out. Here's the reality of that situation. I can never drink again. And I can never fight again. And I can never go in a bar again. But here's the reality. I still don't have an eye. Consequences for our actions. Sometimes we do stupid stuff. Sometimes we sin. And there are consequences for our sin. Don't understand why this person doesn't like me and that person doesn't like me. Because you did bad things to them. It was years ago. You don't have a right to tell them when to get over it. You can think in their mind, I've got some situations around my people need to get over it. At the end of the day, there's consequences for our actions. I got a person in my life. Me and Christine talk about this person. It doesn't matter what I do. I can say, man, that's a beautiful blue sky. That person's going to be like, let me go outside and make sure it's blue and you're not lying to me. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter what I do, they think I'm lying. It doesn't matter what I do, they think I'm trying to control. It's been about 11 years of me kissing this person's butt, trying to make up to this person, trying to say, hey, can we at least have some peace? They ain't going to let it go. I can look at it all day long and say, that's stupid, they won't let it go. And here's the reality. I think it's stupid, they won't let it go. But at the end of the day, the consequences are because of my actions. God, why is this happening to me? <laughs> I did stupid things. 
God, why is this business dealing went wrong? Because you sinned, you ripped them off, and now you just want them to forget it? Sometimes we've got to look in the mirror and realize, man, this is my fault. I don't know what it is that you do. Like I said, it may be that you've been driving drunk. You understand why you got a DUI. I've got a buddy of mine who was a pastor. And his world has literally fallen apart. When I tell you it's falling apart, I mean it's falling apart. He was there for me in some of my darkest days, and I'm trying to be there for him. And it's hard because I love him, but he's a train wreck. Train wreck. He has now been out of ministry for 27 months. He's got two DUIs. He has been busted two different times having affairs on his wife. He got hired at a company and moved up. He's just one of those guys, man. He gets in a company and instantly, bam, he's, just, he's so sharp. Too sharp for his own good. Because he got hired by a very large company, thought he was smarter than the Fortune 100 company, and thought he could swindle money from the Fortune company and it lasted about three days before he being so smart and I'll talk to him and I he goes to church, he says I go to church every week and my wife wants to go to church and the kids want to go to church and he goes I hate it he goes I don't understand why God's not speaking to me he says I don't understand why God this is his favorite phrase I don't know, he, he, he played semi-pro football, he's very sports minded I don't understand why God has me on the sidelines. And nonstop, Christine, I said, because of you. Well, you've messed up before. I said, but I own it. He won't own it. He justifies it. I've never, and it breaks my heart. I love this guy. And I'm literally waiting to get a phone call that he's dead because I have never met anybody in self-destruction mode like he is. But he wants to blame everybody and anybody but himself. It's his sin that he's in that boat. He's the reason he's in that boat. He goes, I feel like God's failed me. I said, no, you failed yourself. Like, it, what a cop-out that we blame God for everything bad in our life. What a cop-out that we blame our spouse for everything bad in our life, our kids, our work. Sometimes it's just us. And until you own it, not a big word we use around here, but the Bible talks over and over about repentance. You ask for forgiveness and you move on. And you're going to live in that sin and wallow in that sin. And even after you ask for repentance and even though you get forgiveness, there's still going to be consequences. Embrace them. I've, I, you've heard me say it. Embrace the suck. You made your bed, now lie in it. It gets more comfortable over time. <laughs> Why do crappy things happen to good people? Sometimes we live in a broken world. Sometimes it's our own sin. Sometimes we need to realize crappy things happen because God wants to do something big. Sometimes we need to realize that crappy things happen to us because God wants to do something big. I'm going to elaborate on this in a minute, but I want to throw you a curveball. Sometimes it's all three. Sometimes we live in a sinful world, but we sinned. But through that mess, God's about to do a miracle. We live in the land of, I guess I'll go down plan B. There is no plan B in God's life. There's plan 1A and 1B. Because the minute you get off God's plan, God says, hey, I got another way for you to get right back in. Will, don't worry about it. I got this. Anytime this a pastor, we, when we have, in, over the years, we have a lot of pastors come through these doors that have lost their churches because of sin or poor decisions or anything. And every time before I hear their story, before I hear everything, I look at them and I tell them, 
where you tell me your story. It's nice to meet you. I want you to know God's not done with you. Let me tell you why that's so important to me. Because I had a man in my life who mentored me and who I loved and believed in me. He literally, out of his own pocket, paid my salary the first year I was in Canton. I loved this man. I, I still believe he's one of the most godly people I have ever met in my life. Pastor's a phenomenal church, phenomenal family. And when I went through the darkest days in my life, I went to him, and I'll never forget him looking at me and being like, you need to accept that God's done with you. And it was devastating. I can close my eyes and remember it like it was yesterday. The Bible says our words have the power to bring life or death, and this guy destroyed me. At my mess was, it was on the front page of the page. My mess was my mess. But I was able to get through my mess until he told me. So then, about two days later, I, over and over, it, it was the lowest I'd ever been in my life those two days. I had this pastor send me a message. Pastor I'd never met in my life. Pastor I had never heard of. And he sends me a message, an email, and he said, you don't know me, my name is such and such. I pastor a church and blah, 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 blah. I heard you speak at a conference a few years ago. And he said, um, I don't know that our paths will ever cross. He said, but God woke me up in my sleep last night and told me to tell you that he's not done with you. Someone I'd never met. Someone I'd never crossed paths with. And it spoke words of life into me. Sometimes we go through horrible things and God's just getting you ready for bigger things. I am convinced that your biggest ministry will come from your biggest mess. Our messes allow us to minister to people that other people could never minister to. You know why so many pastors that have lost their churches come through these doors? Because there's other churches they couldn't go to, and I've been there, done that. You know why certain women go to my wife in certain situations? They don't come to me because she's been through situations I haven't been through. You know why certain people will go to Phil and don't come to me? Because Phil's mess is different than my mess, and they can relate to Phil's mess. You know why certain people just come to you, and based on whatever your past is, it seems like, man, my past was this, and I come in contact with so many people with this. They do it because, listen, your mess was God getting ready for your biggest ministry. Sometimes bad things happen because God's got to break us. God's got to put us on our back where we can be open to hearing the huge things he wants to do with us. That's a new category. We live in a broken world. We sin and we screw up. But sometimes God's just getting ready to do something big. I think about the story in John chapter 9. Jesus runs into a guy, and the guy, the Bible says, was born blind. The guy had never done anything. He had bad things happen to him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in this day and time not being able to see? I think about Bob all the time. I was thinking about Bob all week this week when I was in. But can you imagine in that day and time not being able to see? And I'm sure over and over and over that guy asked himself, Why? Why can my brother see? And why can my sister see? And why am I the guy that was born blind? Human nature, it's not fair. I love this story. All these people around this guy, and they all start to cast blame. Was it sin? Was it this? Did his parents sin? And what are all the reasons that he must be like? There's got to be some reason. He screwed up, and that's why. And Jesus, being the pimp he is, man, he just says, new category. Ain't got anything to do with sin. Ain't got anything to do with what this person did. The Bible says in John 9, 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed through him. 
He said, there wasn't sin involved in why this happened. His parents didn't screw up on why this happened. This happened for this day where I can come, I can touch him, I can restore his healing, and God will get the glory as a result of it. Sometimes bad things, sometimes crappy things happen to us because God's getting ready to do something big. Who knows the story of Joseph in the Remember, Joseph was the guy, and his brothers beat him up. They were jealous of him. They sold him into slavery. You don't know that story? So Joseph was the dad's favorite. The brothers got jealous. They threw him into slavery. Jesus, I mean, Jesus. Joseph goes off. He's in slavery. He's such a great worker. He moves up the ranks. I'm very much giving you a short version of this story. Years later, he's moved to one of the most powerful people, the second most powerful person in the land. Because Joseph had some dreams that a famine was coming, the country was able to be ready for the famine. So when other countries came, this country got more powerful because they were able to get those countries. All of a sudden, here come his brothers. They don't even recognize him. They don't even recognize him. And they fall on their face before him. And they're like, we're hungry. We have no food. And Joseph's able to take care of his brothers and take care of them. He said, send back and go get father. Long story short, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. I wonder how many times Joseph said, why did this happen to me? And God says, because I'm getting ready to set you up for something big. I'm getting ready to set you up for something big. My mind always goes back to the crucifixion of Jesus on Friday. Always goes back to Friday. We, we've, every year, me and Phil say we're going to do a good Friday service, and we never do. And I think about everybody, Jesus is dead, and his followers are, it's Friday. And it's miserable. They didn't realize Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming when Jesus was raised from the grave. And some of you today, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. Right now, you're in a low point, and you're in a miserable point, and the last year has sucked, and your marriage has sucked, and your career has sucked, and you feel like you've had no purpose, but I'm here to tell you Sunday's coming, and you'll look back when Sunday comes and say, Sunday couldn't have happened had it not been for Friday. I've been clinging to that promise, and I'm starting to see it. I feel like I'm on Saturday Eve right now. I'm waiting for the sun to go down on Saturday. Sunday's coming. I lived in Friday. And most of my Friday was because of number two. Because I'm stupid and it's my own fault. Sunday's coming. Golly, I should have been black. I should have been a black man where I could preach better. Friday! Ooh, Sunday's coming. Yeah, almost, next week I'm preaching in a purple suit. Can I go get a purple suit this week? Yes, I can. Don't tell me no. Here's what I want. Do what? Tom, if you loved me, you'd have bought it. And what are you doing at Kohl's? <laughs> I don't know why crappy things happen to good people. I don't even know how I've got through this service today. Rambling, not making sense. Here's the last thing I want you to know when we're going home. For sure, when bad things are happening, God's doing something in you. Doesn't matter if it's because of sin. Doesn't matter if it's because of the broken world. Doesn't matter if he's getting ready to do something. When you're going through crappy times, step back, breathe, and figure out what God's doing in you. Because he's getting ready to take your mess and turn it into a miracle. He's getting ready to take your mess and use it as your greatest ministry. James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it pure joy. We're going to talk about happiness next week. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because... You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When you're going through hard times, whether it's because of a broken world, because of sin, or because God's getting ready to do something big in you, count it joy. That's hard. That's hard to do, but count it joy. 
Because it's during those times of testing that God's getting ready to do something amazing in your life. You can fight it, and you'll lose. You can fight it, and you won't win. You can fight it, and it'll beat you down. Or you can look at it. You can step back. You can breathe. The only way you go through crappy times is to go through them. You can't go around them. You can't go under them. You can't go over them. Sometimes you just got... How many kids are in here today? Plug their ears. Because sometimes you just got to go through the shit to get to the flowers. Grady, I got you in trouble because they're going to go tell their mama I cussed and you're going to be in trouble today. I love you, though. Bad things happen. Crappy things happen. God's getting ready to do something in you. The question is, are you going to fight it, argue about it, Try to go around it, under it, or over it. Or are you just going to embrace the suck and go through it? The quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line. I've got a sister. You've heard me talk about my sister. My sister's a godly, my sister's a religious. There's a difference between religious and godly. My sister is a religious person. And they have tried to do a lot of things right in their life. And they're one of the people that everything they do right just falls apart. And my sister gets mad and she'll tell my mom, Gary can fall in a pile of crap and come out smelling like roses. And I don't understand it. I understand it. Because every time she goes through bad times, she wallows in it for years. When I go through bad times, I hate them. But I'm pretty good about embracing it, taking ownership in it, and going through it. I don't do much right as a pastor. There's not a lot of times I can get on this stage and say, man, I do this well, you do it. This is one of the things I feel like I can. Crappy things happen. You get one shot at life. You can let those crappy things define you or you can realize you've got the rest of your life to live and let your mess be your ministry. You can keep asking why it happens or you can just accept that it happens and God's getting ready to do something big in you. 